All right, Tiggy. Well, I had a really great holiday. How about you? Oh my gosh, this New Year's party was the one. <laughs> Why did you go to New Year's? <laughs> well, it's J term. <laughs> because you're because <laughs> over 40, you're whooping it up on some New Year's party. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's on your regs. <laughs> Well, Tej, I had a great holiday. Happy January. How was your holiday? It was great. I am so, I've already been skiing twice, Nathan, and I can't wait to do some more. All right. Well, I've already been out on the boat twice because, you know, it's Louisiana. <sighs> but anyway, uh, here we are. J term, a little bit of a bonus, similar to our summer uh, series. Uh, but here we are with a J term. These are some bonus episodes, some extended cuts as always from season two. And first off, we're going to start with our interview with Pam Johnson. If you'll remember back to episode number nine, there was a lot of great content in that already, but there was a lot we had to cut out, unfortunately. So um, Pam is a legend. Um, she is a consultant for a number of different institutions, and there's a reason for that. And there was a lot of great information that came out of that interview. So um, here we're going to give you the extended cut of the interview with Pam Johnson of Pam Johnson Consulting in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Well, Tej, I'm really excited to continue our conversation here about the student decision path, and I'm really excited to welcome a good friend, colleague, mentor of mine um, to the LunchCast, Pam Johnson of Pam Johnson Consulting. Pam, welcome to the LunchCast. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Um, I am glad to be with you and and uh, working um, in the enrollment management field. I think that uh, thinking about the way that um, students make a decision is really important to um, both student success and institutional success. So I have been uh, working in enrollment management for more years than I care to admit, but I'm one of those uh, rare people that actually got my start more on the financial aid side of things. And I, um, when I was working in financial aid, I really um, began to understand how complex the path to student success is, uh, especially for first-generation students. But um, in the meantime, I have worked um, mostly at small small to mid-size um, private institutions, moderately selective, um, you know, ju just those kind of places that you have to work with a whole range of students because that's who your, your clientele is. Um, I particularly um, am interested in, in that intersection between affordability and institutional fit. And um, um, I think that that's very important in the last stage of the student decision making as well. Well, I'm really excited to get started in this conversation then and um, appreciate your expertise on this topic for sure. So 
students focus on you know different things at different times in, in the process and it's a very lengthy process and the guest earlier on this episode um, explained the process from the college counseling side from the school counselor side okay. so from your perspective as an enrollment management um, professional just walk us through the process as you've seen it start to finish and what what do you think a student is paying attention to along the way okay well i think that um uh, it's important to understand that there are uh, phases here and that um, it's one of the challenges, I think, for newer admission counselors in particular is to realize that um, the same question has different answers depending on where the student is. But let's start with the, the earliest stage, which just for using um, some kind of metaphor I'm gonna call browsing. And it's really when the student is kind of looking around and for most people, um, that starts, say, toward the end of their sophomore year um, and more, more so in their junior year. And I, I would also note that the stronger students start earlier than the um, more, the lesser prepared students, how about that? <laughs> um, but in that, in that browsing phase, they're, they're doing two things. One, they're just kind of understanding what is college? What is this like? And um, and then they're also trying out some um, different ideas of their own future. And that it often starts with, well, I'm interested in engineering or I'm interested in nursing. But um, being 15 years old, that what they th think of themselves in the future may change from week to week and day to day. And um, I think that that's an important thing for admissions counselors to realize is that when they're talking with those younger students, that um, they should assume that most of those um, career ideas are somewhat tentative uh, and not cut off a general conversation too soon. I also think that for um, uh, first generation students in particular, it's an important time to um, have some idea that college in general is affordable and it it may be it's probably too soon for detailed admission or financial aid and scholarship information but a general sense that college is expensive and we the institution are going to partner with you to figure this out and i, I think that that's the most important message at that point is that we will help you do this and um uh and I think for most students, that's enough right, right then. They don't need to, to have too many more details. And in fact, details just are like uh, over their, their head. I would call, so that browsing phase, um, it, it used to last most of the junior year. I think that as there has been more and more emphasis on um, early uh, application, whether for early decision or because um, a lot of priority deadlines have moved um, ahead of the Christmas holidays, that the, the the next phase is more of a shopping phase where they're really like, okay, I kind of get what colleges are about, perhaps beginning to under, to see themselves either at a smaller place or a bigger place or a faraway place or a closer place. But they, they start getting a little bit more serious. You could call this kind of, you could also call this the long list phase of, 
of really looking at institutions. And I would say that in this, this sort of middle phase, the, um, there's actually less academic emphasis because they've already said, okay, this institution has what I think I want. And now they're starting to look at other things. So they're looking at um, what I would call fit and feel that does this fit me and how do I feel about it? And so this is when students tend to be looking more at student life kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you know, they, like on a tour, they kind of look around, do I see kids like me? Whatever that means. It, it, right. you know, do I, does, could it be pink hair? It could be um, <laughs> racial ethnic stuff. It could be, um, I, I remember one college tour, I talked to my daughter and she said, way too many people wearing skirts. This is not my place. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so th- th- this is when um, from the admission staff just really listening to the student and trying to, trying to understand how they're defining fit and trying to help them see what that might be, I think is really important. I also think this is the phase where financial stuff is not top of mind for many students, you know, that um, they, they, they may ask about scholarships and, and it's more of a process sort of thing. Like, how do I line myself up for this? But it isn't their first, their first thought. So hopefully for um, many students by the, say the end of the summer between their sophomore or junior and senior years, or by, um, you know, October-ish or so, they're, they're down to um, really thinking about where am I going to apply? And that's still shopping to some degree, but it isn't, um, uh, it isn't just randomly clicking on websites or something. It's really, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a little more focused uh, um, endeavor. Um, and then, and I can also step back that just talk for a minute about the parents' role here. And in the in the browsing phase, the parents may be doing a lot of suggesting. They may be um, um, kind of casting about themselves for how do you go about making this difficult decision. So some some of the browsing thing happens when the parents say, "Well, I talked to somebody who said that." XYZ school has a good business department or something. The student probably shrugs it off, but if they do any, you know, they, they may go right. to, to the next step. But it, there's there's a lot, there's a fair amount of randomness to that. In the shopping phase, it, I think you, you start seeing the, the parents being, well, you know, what is a good business program? How do you, um, or uh, they they may be talking more about money, but the, the kids aren't um, um, as much. And then, then we get to the last phase of this, which is really the buying phase. And this is where um, I would say the, the shoe kind of turns, because first of all, the uh, institution has to make a decision. You know, do we want this person to buy? Um, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, as, as most people in enrollment management know, the answer is yes, for most places and most students, it isn't. Right, um, right. Um, but some places it isn't, and and the highly selective or um, what some people are starting to call the highly rejective institutions, <laughs> don't really start recruiting until they've already made that decision because they don't they don't want to get people's hopes up, 
and then they don't want to waste their time either. So, so in that buying phase, in my um, experience, the student goes back to academics. They started there in terms of program availability. Then they made a lot, lot of other decisions. But when you're back in that buying phase, they're back. Oh, well, what is it about that business program that I thought was good? Or why would it, you know, why is this a good place for me to um, be in an orchestra or, or whatever else it may be? But those, those questions kind of um, come back up because they're beginning to be able to actually compare things. And when, when they were first uh, browsing around, they really were just like, you know, what does it even mean to have a, a business program or a music program or something else? Now it's like, okay, here's um, uh, how uh, here's how they stack up. And um, if I could use a personal example, um, my our son was interested in engineering, and he liked a lot about one school until he actually looked at what the curriculum was like and he realized he had four electives in four years and he's like what you know i'm <laughs> like that you know i'm interested in engineering but i'm not uh i'd like to explore some other things and so that school actually which was otherwise seemed like a good fit up until that point is like no i don't want to do that and and um uh, you know, not everybody uh, is going to you know look at all those kinds of things, but it. But I do think that the academic decision becomes more important, and then also in that phase, this is where financial aid really comes up because you've got you know, um, parents um, really groping with this um, you know big ticket cost, and now the kids in love, and it's like oh, you know this. <laughs> You know, what do we do now? Um, and so I, I think that this is, um, um, it's, it's the, the most challenging phase for the um, admissions counselors because they, they find it really easy to talk about, hey, we've got a great um, program or, you know, you would love to um, uh what happens here on Saturday afternoon, you know, whatever else it would be. But when it comes to money, some of, a lot of admissions people don't even like to talk about it. But secondly, um, it, it's very difficult for us to make the, the um, value judgment that the parent, the families are making and primarily the parents, but, you know, is it worth it to us to pay this much? And um, that's, uh, you know, it, it's an argument we have to make all the way along. Pam, I really appreciate that. That was like a masterclass in understanding the, the journey students are on. Tucked in there, you mentioned there was a time period where you thought financial aid wasn't as um, significant in the process as it is later. Can you talk about, given your experience, what is the role financial aid makes or takes in kind of shaping a student's list and final decision? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's complex in that it's, it really, for many people, it's a family decision at that point. And the student sometimes doesn't feel um, powerful at, at that point because they don't, 
you know, that some, especially you start talking about, say, just like a forty or fifty thousand dollar year price tag, which is not unusual um, at, at lots and lots of private colleges. Those are like huge numbers. The student has no experience with that. And even though we all do our best to quickly break down that number and say, well, you know, you're down to 10,000 or something, mm-hmm. it's still a lot of money. And um, I do think it's really critical that we help families understand what that bottom line is. And I, I think this has been a shift in, in uh, enrollment management in the last, oh, I don't know, five or seven years is that we quit sort of hiding that bottom line and have been uh, more transparent. This is what it's going to cost you because we've learned that by the time you get in second semester of freshman year, if they didn't understand that, we've got a retention issue. <laughs> and, right. uh, um, uh, but it's still, it's still a challenge. And, and I, think, um, uh, I think we still see a fair number of students who somehow assume that if they have financial aid, which means that you know they, they got through the FAFSA, they got an award letter, that they don't have to worry. But in mm-hmm. fact, most people do have to worry. They're, you know, there's, having every penny covered is very rare, um, despite uh, rumors to the contrary. <laughs> 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 um, and so I, I think that it is important to, to be transparent about that and to be prepared to talk about it. And whether that's um, the admission staff role or the financial aid staff or some um, other model, somebody has to be willing to say, okay, you, you and your family are gonna owe $10,000 you could do 10 payments of $1,000 a month. You could do a plus one. I mean, you, you, but you, we need to sort of confidently say how this would work. Uh, I, I've been on the edge of a couple of those conversations when I would say, well, this is a $1,500 a month payment to a family. I know absolutely can't even think about that. But at least at least you're saying this, you know, like trying try and make sure that their decision is a real one. And... Um, um, and, and go from there. Um, I do think uh, um, earlier in the process, it's also important to be as clear as we can about the steps that someone needs to take to apply for financial aid. And um, even if it seems like you're stating the obvious, because it, it isn't easy, um, well, it's, it's not easy for kids. It, um, I just happened to read a, an autobiography of a, a first-generation student who um, actually you know, filled out her own FAFSA because her mother didn't, wouldn't deal with it and um, just didn't had no idea of the numbers that she was seeing. And she, her, in her biography, she looked back and said, oh, wow my mom was trying to raise four kids on 35,000 a year or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. No, no wonder that was hard. So I think, I think we just have to, we have to approach it with um, empathy, but also just being matter of fact. And um, as, as a person uh, in an institutional role that was often called on to be the one to talk about money, I had so many parents say, you know, thanks for just, coming out and saying, here's how, you know, <laughs> right. you're going to have to pay something. 
here's our options Uh-oh. payment plans loans whatever um because this and, and they would say not for, not everybody was willing to do that and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going that that alone is going to choose your institution mm-hmm. but at least you've given it your best shot and and in a way that um is sustainable i think so I, I think that dovetails nicely into the final question we have here. Um, I mean, at some point they are going to be making that final decision. Um, you talked about transparency. You talked about um, facts. Um, if, if you were counseling a room of admissions counselors right now um, to prepare themselves for this final round, um, what would you say to those admissions counselors um, as the students are heading into their final decision? Um, well, I think first of all, they just they need to um, they need to know what they're talking about. They need to they need to run through some scenarios. I think that's a really good um, staff meeting exercise. Uh, I think they need to um, um, you know understand when to pull out a calculator or something mm-hmm. else, um, and it can be on their phone. Yes, it does. But um, uh, this um, the other thing I would say is that they don't have to apologize. That that um, you know, every institution is trying to do the best they can um, in terms of financial aid, and just the fact that the average discount rate is up over fifty percent tells you that you know we we are putting every everything we can into these numbers, and um, so. Uh, you know this. Um, you know, for some of our staff, this is kind of, this might be adulting one hundred and one or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's time to to talk about it, and um, uh, I think it's it's also it's okay to say to the student, you know, would you like me to um, uh, would you like to bring your parents into this conversation? Um, I along the way, especially when I was a financial aid director, I would offer to call the parents. And sometimes um, it really helped. It, it was often to, yes, I really do need your tax return. And I promise not to tell anybody else what it says or something right. like that. Um, but it, but also just that um, it, it's a hard subject for for students. And and I, I think um, in the in the world of first generation students, there's there's a lot of kids trying to do this on their own, and right. um, uh, you know we need to help when we can. Um, I also think that a lot of our community based organizations are pretty good at handling this phase of things. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that comes with a lot of advocacy. You know, couldn't you do more for the student? This is a, you know, and and sometimes we just have to well, the, this is. This is um, the conversation that we have for in exchange for them really helping the the student and the family understand all this. So, um, but we shouldn't ignore that that they can be a good resource there as well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, do you think that when you've seen admissions counselors kind of either go into this for? The first time, or maybe, you know, I think there seems to be a general fear now with the pandemic that things are always going to be changing. And I feel like the admissions counselors, like just as an industry a little bit, are kind of worried about what the next cycle and what the changes are going to come down the road. And 
and things are happening, right? Like um, right. the federal government is making decisions um, lightning fast <laughs> compared to yeah. what they were before. So to keep <laughs> right. up with that, um, you know, uh, you know, what would again, like how do how would you help them handle the just the fear and being prepared, generally speaking? Well, I think um, I, th- I think there are some basics here. There's going to be mm-hmm. a FAFSA or the equivalent, you know, for the as any student we're talking to now is going to have to deal with something like that. <laughs> okay, right, you know, so right, that, right. Um, uh, <clears throat> there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be federal grant programs. It's likely that I, I don't think student loans are going to go away. They might have more brackets on it. But um, as much as we might like to, you know, wave a magic wand and have things change, it just, it doesn't happen very much. And, and even in, in this last year, okay, you know, student loan payments got suspended, but nothing else really changed there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, so I think that don't, you know, just talk about what you know today. And then also, use these conversations as a way to demonstrate institutional values. So um, many of the uh, private institutions that I was associated with over the last couple of years did special fundraising appeals for students caught um, uh, when the institutions had to shut down. So that's a great story. You know, our alumni contributed a million dollars to help kids or a hundred thousand. I don't care. Any, any number will sound impressive, you know, right. <laughs> um, to, to help people. You know, we have an emergency loan fund. This is, you know, this or so all of these things demonstrate to the family that the institution will become a, a caring support system for their students. And that's, uh, so I think that's a wonderful opportunity to um, actually you know, demonstrate that value proposition, um, as long as it, it's long you're telling the truth, of course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but back in, um, you know, the last recession or the 2008-9 um uh, the, the institution that I was working with at the time had actually decided to um, uh, change their endowment spending rate to put more money into financial aid, and they they basically stepped in as and if any of remember back in that time, people were, there were a lot of job losses, and there were a lot more job losses in the um, sort of middle and upper income areas, uh, whereas this this last one, the job losses are mostly among low-income families, which doesn't make it easy. But so for a good three or four years there, I just told that story. When things got tough, this is what we did. And people, you could just almost feel this kind of sigh in, in, in the audience that would say, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, like, like you're not... Um, you're not going to let my kid's future be ruined over the next stock market crash or something, you know, right. that, yep. um, and, and so I think, I think that those are, um, you know, and whatever you can say along that line, you know, whether it's we, um, uh, you know, like in, in this last round of things, quite a few institutions let students work remotely, um, if they could, um, mm-hmm. and that, you know, so, 
um, yes, you know, you're going to use financial or use work study as part of your financing mechanism. And even when we shut down, we let the students keep working or we paid them anyway or whatever you did, you know, that that's, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I would say things that seem kind of old hat to us, really, um, it's not what families and, and students are thinking. They think they're on their own. And so to the degree that you can say we're going to support you, and, and that could even be things like, you know, the, the financial aid office is open until 7 o'clock on Tuesday night so that there's time for parents to come in. You know, what, um, um, and if you can't say anything like that, maybe we should think about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Pam, uh, I'll go with Teach here. This was a master class on how students make decisions and how admissions counselors can better serve their students. So thank you so much for joining the LunchCast. We always like to ask our guests, what are you working on next? What's exciting for you this fall? And then how can folks get in touch with you if they have any follow-up questions? Okay. Well, I am uh, new to me. I'm working on an um, enrollment marketing uh, project for a school that seems to be doing really well and is just worried that their core market is eroding and thinking about how they reach out to new populations. So I'm excited um, to do that and I'm working with um, a longtime marketing partner on that. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm looking forward to maybe um, a year that might be normal or close to it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think we're still going to be challenged as an industry of not having great uh, comparable data f- for the last couple of years. But I, I'm hoping that we were, you know, actually have students visiting on campus and um, some of the other things that, that we know make such a difference in the college decision process. Um, so if anyone would like to get in touch with me, uh, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can contact me at pam.johnson100 at gmail. Um, and I look forward to um, you know hearing the stories of what is happening at different institutions. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us, Pam, and uh, uh, have a great day. All right, thank you. Well, Tiggy, another great extended cut from season two, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Tiggy, are you excited for season three? Niven, already lining up guests, already writing down some questions. I am so excited for season three. I am as well. We're going to try to do some more spring topics. Uh, we're going to drop that here sometime in the spring. So make sure you stay tuned to season three. And thank you for listening to the Lunchcast and the J-Term. As always, I'm Nathan. I'm Tej, and that was the lunch guest. Thanks, folks. Let's start over. <laughs> what the hell? I wasn't <laughs> expecting to be attacked like this. What? You don't go to a New Year's party? Like, the, the way you said it was like, it was off the hook, man. Like... <laughs>